Well, thank you for the invitation to be here, Mr. Taylor. Um, if you don't mind, I'll lead us in prayer, and then we'll begin. Let's pray together, shall we? Merciful Father, thank you for these young men and women, for Mr. Taylor, the headmaster, for all their teachers. Watch over them this day, and watch over them and all of us now as we're reflecting on the teaching of your word and on how it applies to our daily lives. And we pray, Father, that this short time we have together would be transformative for these young men and women, that their families in decades and generations to come would bear the fruit of what we are going to be talking about this morning, good fruit, so that your kingdom may be advanced your people strengthened and built up. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read a very short section from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 for reasons that will become obvious when I tell you what I'm going to be talking about today. From verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In this text, Paul the Apostle warns that certain categories of habitual and unrepented of sin will exclude a man or a woman from the kingdom of God. And including, included among those sins, he lists a number of things, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers. He also includes, quote, <coughs> the sexually immoral and adulterers. And it seems to me that we and you are in greater danger of exclusion from the kingdom of God because of sexual immorality than any generation that has previously existed. The reason is because sexual immorality is more easy for you to indulge in and means to it are easier for you to access and harder for you to escape from and more destructive than for any time in the whole of human history. The reason is because of pornography and that with your headmaster's permission is what I want to talk to you about today. By pornography I mean images or video containing depictions of nudity or sexual activity which is intended to stimulate sexually the viewer and the prevalence of this is truly overwhelming I mean, it's been a problem for a long time you know um, your greatest theologian America's greatest theologian Jonathan Edwards had a bit of a problem back in the 18th century with some young men who had got hold of uh, what came to be known as the, the midwives book it was a gynecological man manual for, for midwives to help other women when they're giving birth. And it had some uh, line drawings in it. 
and some of these boys thought these line drawings were hilarious and were teasing some of the young ladies of the town uh, in relation to what they had seen. Now Jonathan Edwards thought this was a big deal, like a seriously big deal. So he convened the young men involved and their parents and proceeded to haul them over the coals about it. You can imagine, or perhaps you can't imagine, actually I can't really imagine, how he must be spinning in his grave when he contemplates the state of the modern world and indeed the modern church. Uh, something like 25 to 35% of all websites, all downloads, and all video online are pornography. If you're a visitor from outer space and you were trying to figure out what these human beings get up to, you would realize there's this really cool thing called the internet, which they use for all kinds of different things, but they use it for you know, communications, they use it for financial transactions, and they use it for calling grandma and that kind of thing. But basically, you would conclude that the thing that the internet was for was for viewing images of other people having sex. Because that's the single most common thing that it is used for. Nobody knows how much money the porn industry makes, because so much of it is done kind of shadily, and, and even the large companies don't um, publish uh, their turnover. They don't publish their results in, in the same way that some other companies do. Uh, one researcher, Cassia Wasik, uh, estimated that something like 90-something billion dollars is the annual turnover of the pornography industry, including $12 billion in the US alone. Don't think about that. What's the population in the United States? 300 and something million. Um, let's assume that the revenue is concentrated in 100 million or so of those people, and you've got 12 billion dollars turnover in the US. Well, that means that, that even if the revenue is distributed among 100 billion people who are the serious viewers, they're contributing 120 dollars a year each the porn industry. And that's a significant figure. We'll come back to it at some point in a few minutes' time because that's one that might help you get out of this mess if you're in it, or avoid getting in it if you're not. Just to give you a sense of proportion, that 97 million figure, the, the highest ever annual turnover of the NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball combined in one year, their highest ever annual turnover was 29 billion. What's America's national obsession? It's not football. It's not baseball. It's porn. 97 billion. Well, that's the, uh, that's the estimated figure for the global um, usage. I can see you've sprained your ankle, you've done something. Maybe, maybe your obsession would be baseball for a few more weeks or months. Right? <laughs> now, one of the difficulties about this topic is figuring out who exactly. And I'm gonna, as I'm going to explain in a few minutes' time, we don't need to figure out who. But I want to give you some sense of um, the actual numbers. If you ask people uh, about their habits, they tend to <coughs> under-report things they're ashamed of. Uh, but increasingly, uh, at least among non-Christians, people aren't ashamed of this. And the most recent and accurate survey data that I've been able to access suggests that 90-something percent of men and 60-something percent of women have viewed pornography in the last month. Mostly 
more frequently than that. Um, of course, that doesn't tell you who the people are, and it certainly doesn't tell you about um, Christians. So, what are we to make? What, what are we to assume about ourselves, our churches? What assumptions should we make as we look around us? Well, the proper way to do a statistical analysis of the prevalence of a phenomenon within a subgroup is to look first at the overall population and then estimate how much the subgroup is likely to deviate from that. So you shouldn't start by looking around and thinking, all these lovely people. What you should start by is looking around at all the people and then think, well, is it likely to be lower or higher among you and your Christian friends? And the answer is, well, it's kind of tricky. If you ask Christians about their point of use, you tend to get lower reported figures, obviously, because people... We have more reason to be ashamed if this is what we're up to, correct? But that's not the only way of figuring out how many Christians view pornography. So it turns out that you can uh, correlate the prevalence of pornography subscriptions, this is people who pay for the stuff, by postal district and correlate it with church attendance rates. And it turns out that in areas where church attendance is higher, porn use is also higher. Christians, in other words, appear to consume pornography at a higher rate than the rest of the population, not a lower rate. That might be because um, among Christian communities there is a, rightly, a, um, uh, a sense of um, the wrongness of other kinds of sexual gratification before marriage, sleeping around and so on. So that tends to happen perhaps at a lower rate among Christians because it's hard to hide. But then the sexual impulse finds ways to be expressed more privately, which probably accounts for why porn use among Christians as a whole is higher than the mainstream population. Let me talk briefly about the effects of this. Um, the first and most obvious effect is that this is a sin, it's offensive to God. Formally it's a breach of the seventh commandment because it's lust. Um, but there's more to it than that. Like all sin, it damaging personally is destructive to people. Um, and the survey data here is pretty horrific. Um, porn use has been associated with higher levels of anxiety and guilt and low self-esteem and alienation from your friends and social, social isolation. Uh, it's hard to find anything that's more damaging to marriage than this. People who view pornography habitually are 300% more likely to divorce than those who do not. 56% uh, of divorce cases in one survey were found to have involved porn use among one of the parties. Uh, it seems that porn use is associated, especially among men, with a tendency to have more uh, aggressive and misogynistic attitudes to women. Men who view porn are more likely to, to not intervene if a woman is being assaulted or to think that it's sometimes okay to be violent towards a woman. And you can understand why that would be if the descriptions would be believed about what some of that pornography actually depicts. Um, 56% of porn users in one survey, this is really disturbing, 
admitted that over time their tastes, quote-unquote, have become more extreme, more deviant. Which is a little bit worrying when you bear in mind that uh, if you even accidentally view child pornography, that's to say any pornography featuring somebody under the age of 18, you're guilty of a criminal offence. If somebody sends you a photo of themselves, or if you view accidentally a picture of somebody who's under 18, you could go to prison. And so could they, actually. They would be unlikely to. But you could. So it's not something that we want to take lightly. Uh, it's hardly great preparation for stable, happy, married life. So what's the good news? Well, <laughs> such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. I want to promise you that Christ holds out hope, both for freedom from bad habits that you've got into or just might be on the verge of getting into, and also um, freedom from bad habits that you haven't got into. You can keep away from something that's destructive. But you have to want to do it really badly. I'll tell you the most effective means I've found as a pastor of helping people deal with this issue. Uh, it has been accountability, meaningful accountability. And here, technology comes back on our side again. There are numerous web apps, uh, smartphone apps, other platforms that will that are designed in various ways to stop you viewing anything you should. The best one I've found, and I'm going to tell you what it's called, and I, should, um, I declare that I have no financial interest in this, uh, and I don't have a discount code, and I don't gain anything from telling you this. I'm telling you this because I want to help. Okay? It's called everaccountable.com. Everaccountable.com. And what it does is you sign up, you register all of your devices and all of your family's devices, and it sends a weekly email to your accountability partner. Might be your mum and dad, or might be your pastor, to say, all good, give me an encouraging pat on the back when you see him at church, or there might be something you want to talk about with him here. And then it will uh, describe or show a blurred image um, on a viewer the web page which I've heard image of what's been viewed. So okay. it means you can deal with it. Now I, the reason I know this is because I'm the accountability partner for a growing number of men at Four Saints. I'm actually the accountability partner for my whole family. Right? My whole family uses this app. Guess how much it costs a year? What was the figure I mentioned earlier? $120. Interesting, huh? Now, the great thing about this is, uh, I don't need to know, and you don't need to know, who in this room has sinned in this way in the past. Any past sin that's repented of is no cause for shame. No cause for shame. And in fact, if somebody comes to me and it may be that, that some people at All Saints are going to be listening to this. This is going on the All Saints podcast. Um, if somebody comes to me and says, um, hey, pastor, um, I think I might benefit from that ever-accountable app that you mentioned. I would say, absolutely, I'm sure you would. 
Because if you've never viewed porn in your life, this will be a great way of helping you to carry on that way. Any single one of you could go to your dad or to your mum or to your pastor and say, hey pastor, hey mum, I think I'd benefit from this ever accountable app that that English guy came and talked about. <laughs> what English guy? Oh, listen to that podcast and or whatever it is that um, uh, Mr. Uh, Taylor will be able to find this recording for you. I'm not interested in your past, not at all. I'm interested in your future. And your future can, from this moment, be a future of being free, if you want it badly enough. In theological terms, what's happening with these accountability apps is that we're benefiting from the encouragement of the church, we're bringing forward the day of judgment when all our deeds will be exposed, and we're walking into the light, and you're safe in the light. We're all strong in our good moments, aren't we? In our, in our good moments, we're able to resist sin. And what we're doing with products like this is to be as strong in our weak moments as we are in our good moments. So you don't need to tell me or your parents anything. And if your parents are listening to this, hey mum, dad, I encourage you, unless there's a very good reason otherwise, not to probe into what your son or daughter might have stumbled upon in the past. Really what we want is young men and women who are set free from this in the future. Men and women who are able to enter married life, to raise families, able to enjoy a relationship with each other, free from this wickedness and torment and guilt and misery. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you go to her father in a few years' time and he says, so I need to ask you some questions before you start dating my daughter. Um, have, you, have you ever, um, or are you still viewing pornography? And you say, well, you know what? When I was a young teenager, once or twice, I was just like curious and I didn't even know what I was doing. And I did look at a couple of things. And, and I... It was getting to the point where I was kind of thinking about it most days and wondering whether it was okay. And then this English pastor guy came into my school and he said, you know, you don't have to do this and you shouldn't do this. And so from that day on, I decided at the age of 15, I'm not having this. I'm going to get rid of this thing. And so my dad bought me Ever Accountable for Christmas. It's the best Christmas present you ever get. And since that day, I've been praying that I'll meet a beautiful, wonderful Christian woman like your daughter. And I've been keeping myself pure for her. Okay? If a young man ever said that to me, I'd be proud of him. And in Christ, that's what you all could be. Should we pray? Merciful Father, thank you again for these young men and women. Thank you for the purity that is ours in Christ. We pray, Father, that you'd sustain and strengthen them and their parents to take whatever steps they need to make the best use of the resources that you've put at our disposal so that we may be as strong in resisting temptation in our weakest moments as we are in our strongest moments when, like now perhaps, we want nothing more than to walk in holy and pure union with Christ all the days of our lives. And we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your attention.
please, 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 don't hesitate to come and talk to your headmaster or your pastor or your parents about any of that. You won't regret it. Thank you.